0: Good morning. So good to be with you here in person as well as online. Our gospel reading today comes to us from the gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning with verse number 44. Listen once again to the word of God. Then Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, That the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. I have seen no research. I do not know the data. But I find myself wondering if the world is more violent today than it was five years ago or 50 years ago. Two weeks ago, white supremacist Peyton Gendron wearing body armor and a military grade helmet, attacked a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. He slaughtered 10 African American men and women. As we were worshiping here last week, a man traveling on the subway from Brooklyn over to Manhattan was ruthlessly shot and murdered. On May 17th, Salvador Ramos turned 18 years old, and to celebrate, he bought a semi-automatic rifle. Three days later, he bought another one. On Tuesday afternoon, dressed in all black, Ramos entered an elementary school in Texas and murdered 21 people, 19 children, two teachers. Where is Jesus in a world of violence? I suspect we are not the first ones to ask this question. Consider, just for example, the Thirty Years' War from 1618 to 1648. Protestants killed Catholics, Catholics killed Protestants. This Kingdom waged war against that one and that one against this one. Twenty percent of Europe died in that Thirty Year War. do forget the 17th century in Europe. Let us move on to the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries in our own country. Hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of Africans and African Americans perished under the cruelty of slavery. Consider World War I, the war that was going to end all wars. Or consider World War II. Christian, civilized brothers and sisters systematically executed, annihilated, millions upon millions of our brothers and sisters. Is the world more violent today than ever before? I don't know. But one thing I do know today is that ours is indeed a violent world. And as often as I try to deny it, as often as I try to avoid it, I cannot get around it. What really concerns me, however, as I think about the violence of the world is that there is a part of me That belongs to that world and there is a part of me that yearns for that world. Take a movie for example like Pearl Harbor or United 93 or Black Hawk Down. Do any of you remember Black Hawk Down? Somalia 1993. Famine has left hundreds of thousands of men women and children dead. When Red Cross food shipments arrive, the warlords thugs steal them and they brutally murder anyone who gets in their way. Three minutes into this movie, I am enraged. I was sick and tired of seeing people, starving people, ruthlessly killed. And so when the US Rangers prepared for battle, as they donned their gear, picked up their rifles and put on their helmets, there was a voice within me that said, yes, the movie's based on a true story, and by the, by the end of that day's particular violence, 19 American soldiers and 1,000 Somalis lay dead. Where is Jesus in all this mayhem? You might remember that near the end of his life, Pilate interrogated Jesus. It was his custom, according to Scripture, to pardon one of the criminals. Whom would he select? He let the crowd give their input. Do you want me to pardon Jesus? And Jesus was the one who said, love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Turn the other cheek. Pray for those who persecute you. Pardon Jesus, or pardon Barabbas, which ironically means son of the father. Barabbas, who was a militant, a domestic terrorist, a zealot who killed others to try to protest against the tyranny of Rome. Which one would you choose? Jesus or Barabbas? And the crowd, as you know, shouted, Barabbas. And there is a part of me. Had I been in that crowd, had I suffered under Roman tyranny. And there's a part of me, and I've been in that crowd, would have said, Barabbas. Absolutely, Barabbas. But do you ever want to be Barabbas or yell Barabbas? When the Twin Towers fell, I was filled with rage and pain, and I wanted to shout, Barabbas! When I read about Russia's barbaric invasion of Ukraine, the evidence of mass burials, the multiple accounts of innocent unarmed people being shot, I want to yell, Barabbas! When I recall the hatred in the eyes of those who marched in Charlottesville several years ago, chanting, the Jews will not replace us, the Jews will not replace us. You know what I want to yell when I see them? I want to yell, Barabbas. In all these situations and so many more, I want to meet force with force, power with power, violence with violence. I'm haunted by the words of that 1969 song, One Tenth Soldier. Go ahead and hate your neighbor, go ahead and cheat a friend. Do it in the name of heaven. You can justify it in the end. There won't be any trumpets blowing come the judgment day on the bloody morning after one tin soldier rides away. What are we then to do? When we remember that we are Jesus people, that we belong to God, what are we to do? And the face of violence in our world, what are we to do? How shall we respond when our indignation and despair and outrage about the world fills our hearts with a passion to make things right even if that means resorting to violence, hate with hate, war with war. There are no easy answers to these questions. No glib one-liners will ever resolve the tension between living in this world but being a citizen of the kingdom of God. The one thing we can do today, however, is to remember where Jesus is. Recall the words of the Nicene Creed and the Apostles Creed. He ascended into heaven and, what's the rest of it, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's where Jesus is. In our gospel reading this morning, It comes to us at the end of his gospel. Jesus has been crucified. He has been raised. He meets with his disciples one last time, and he says, you are my witnesses. Go into the world and proclaim the good news. Luke says, then Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Today is Ascension of the Lord Sunday. Today, we remember where Jesus is, and by where, I do not mean a GPS location. Jesus is at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. There he is. This Jesus, the one who said these strange things like, love your neighbor, and blessed are the peacemakers, and pray for those who persecute you, this Jesus is now the ruler of the world. The ascension of Jesus in a nutshell means that God has stamped Jesus' life and that stamp reads vindicated. That stamp means validated. That stamp means Jesus was right. That's the good news of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. He is the ruler and his way is the way. In her book, God in Pain, Barbara Brown Taylor writes, day by day, Jesus invites us to follow him. Not Marduk, not Batman, not Caiaphas, not Pilate, but him, the one who would not resort to violence, not even to save his own life. The one who fought back by refusing to fight back. Here then is another way to redeem the world, not by killing off troublemakers, but by dying to violence once and for all. Because He did, we can. He died to show us how to live. We live to show Him we got the message. When our hearts are heavy, when we're filled with despair at the violence of the world and the brokenness and the injustice, the one thing that we can do as Christians is to remember. Just pause and remember. Jesus has ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Jesus, this very Jesus, is the Lord of heaven and earth. Many, many years ago in India, a group of men traveling through desolate country found a seriously wounded man lying beside the road. They carried him to a Christian missionary hospital and spoke to the Christian missionary physician and said, He's been injured. Do you have a bed for him? And the doctor looked upon the man, recognizing him as Afghan, said, For him? For him? Yes, we have a bed. When the physician examined him, he discovered that his beating had left him in danger of losing his sight. And the man was filled with despair and with rage. And he told the doctor, make me well, help me to see. Help me to see just long enough so that I can exact my revenge against my assailant. Help me, I want vengeance. And the doctor said, well, you're in a Christian hospital. And Jesus teaches us to love and forgive. Yes, those are nice words, but they're not realistic. They're not practical. That's not the way the world works. Give me my vision so I can exact my vengeance. The doctor said, I have a few other rounds to make, but I'll be back this evening. That evening, he pulled up a chair to the man's head. He said, some years ago, a British man was assigned to be an envoy to Afghanistan. On the way, however, he was attacked and kidnapped by a tribe. He and another man were held in captivity. They were tortured. They were abused. They were starved. They lived in a makeshift cell. The one thing he had with him was the Book of Common Prayer. His sister had given it to him before he left for Afghanistan, and he and the other man prayed through the Book of Common Prayer, and in the margins, they wrote updates about their days and what they were enduring. Twenty years later, a man in a secondhand bookstore came upon this book of common prayer, opened it up, started reading it, and realized its significance. The entries went from page to page to page until at the end, the handwriting changed. And another note appeared and said these two men were led outside, they dug their own graves, and then they were executed. Her, his sister had signed her name, and so this gentleman with the Book of Common Prayer tracked her down and sent her the Book of Common Prayer, and as she read it, page by page, she had despair, she grieved, she raged, she cried, and she decided what she needed to do. Revenge. She needed to get revenge. Christian Revenge. And even though she didn't have much money, she gathered all that she could and asked her friends and neighbors to, to, to pitch in. She got this money and went to that hospital, that Christian missionary hospital, and said, would you take this money and use it to reserve a bed for any wounded or ill Afghan. The doctor turned to the injured man in the bed and said, your care IS HER REVENGE. THERE ARE NO EASY ANSWERS TO THE PROBLEM OF VIOLENCE IN OUR SOCIETY, BUT THIS WE KNOW. EVEN WHEN WE WANT TO YELL OUT, BARABBAS, JESUS SITS AT THE RIGHT HAND OF GOD THE FATHER ALMIGHTY. SHE KNEW THAT. BECAUSE SHE TRUSTED THAT, SHE EXACTED CHRISTIAN REVENGE IN THE FORM OF COMPASSION AND CARE AND FORGIVENESS. She knew. She knew where Jesus is. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus when our world feels like it's coming apart at the seams? Where? You know. You know.